Welcome to Crime Stories of Pakistan. I'm your host, Jahan, and I know, I know, this episode has been a little late. I apologize for that. I had a deadline that got me caught up, but I am back, and I will continue my weekly episodes on this podcast. Today's case, it takes us back to 1995. I had no prior knowledge of this particular case, so it took me a little time to research it. Given that we're delving almost a decade into the past, there was very little available information. Nevertheless, as this podcast is dedicated to raising awareness about crimes in Pakistan, I researched enough to piece together a full story for my listeners. So this is a story about Mansoor, who is also known as Malangi, the dawn of Punjab. Mansoor was born in Ahmedpur, Sharkhia, a city in the Bahapapul district of Punjab. And we know that Punjab is one of the provinces of Pakistan. Hailing from Ahmedpur, his father worked as a tailor. We have no information about his childhood, his family or of his earlier life. We do know that he belonged to the Aryan caste, and according to Wikipedia, the Aryans are a significant Punjabi agricultural tribe with a strong political identity, found predominantly in the Pakistani provinces of Punjab and Sindh, with a smaller presence in parts of Indian Punjab. Note, I feel it was important to mention this because he may have used his Iranian caste as an advantage to build connections. So we have no information about when he left his hometown or what his age was, but he left Ahmedpur for Sargoda. And I am speculating that this is around the time when he was still a young teenager. So Mansoor's criminal journey commenced in 1995, which was marked by involvement in minor offenses like pickpocketing and robberies. He teamed up with two accomplices, Noman Gujar and Zuhib Baloch, to carry these acts. But their robberies were non-violent. They always left their victims unharmed. However, during one such robbery, they entered a house where there were two men and a woman, and in the course of the robbery, the woman she began screaming, which prompted Mansoor to take drastic measures to prevent attracting attention from the neighbors. Tragically, they killed the woman and the two men. This marked a turning point, escalating their criminal activities from petty theft to murder. After this attack, he started working under Sheikh Vakas, a member of a still active political party in Pakistan. During a general election in Sargoda, under the orders of Sheikh Vakas, Mansoor entered the polling station and killed five people. Obviously, this seems like it was a target killing, and I am speculating that these five people were voting for the opposition, but there is no information about who these five people were or why they were even targeted. When the situation got tricky and fingers started pointing at Sheikh Vakas, he quickly pointed fingers at Mansoor and distanced himself from Mansoor. He labelled Mansoor as a terrorist and crafted a case against him. 
This scent of betrayal hung heavy in the air for Mansoor. Maybe Mansoor thought that since he was working for Sheikh Vakas, Vakas would cover his tracks or help Mansoor if anything went wrong. But since Sheikh Vakas himself was the one turning all blame onto Mansoor, it urged Mansoor to flee Sargodha in order to escape the consequence. In search for sanctuary, Mansoor found himself drawn to the city of Gujranwala, drifting on the edges of the city's underworld. Within its hidden corners, he became intertwined with a notorious figure known as Khalid Javed. Under Khalid's command, Mansoor was tasked with a rather sinister occupation, collecting land taxes and dues from people on Khalid's behalf. But Mansoor's role wasn't just about collecting money. It was a grim task. If someone dared to defy Khalid's demands, Mansoor and his gang were sent in. Their orders to enforce submission through beatings, torture, and even death. It's a grim speculation, but as the tally of victims grew, so did the whispers of fear among those living in the vicinity. As you can well imagine, such actions would hardly escape the attention of the local police force. Soon enough, their watchful eyes turned towards Mansoor. Two years passed this way, and one day, as Mansoor just went along, Doing his usual duties, a confrontation of grand proportions erupted. In a clash that involved the police, Mansoor and his four partners in crime, chaos reigned. Four of Mansoor's allies fell beneath the hail of bullets. Mansoor himself was wounded, hit by two bullets. But even in this injured state, he managed to escape the clutches of the law. After his escape from Gujranwala's grip, Mansoor's journey led him to Faisalabad. There he found refuge in the shadowy embrace of another underworld figure, Amjad Javed. Amid the backdrop of criminal intrigue, Amjad was locked in a fierce struggle with a rival gang led by a man known as Chaudhry Ilyas Jhat. The tension and hostility were like sparks ready to ignite. But surprisingly, it wasn't Amjad's quarrel alone. Amjad made sure that Mansoor took it upon himself to settle the score with Chaudhry Ilyas. What started as a dispute between Amjad and Chaudhry Ilyas transformed into a personal vendetta for Mansoor. Amjad's cunning manipulation pushed Mansoor to the brink, fanning the fumes of animosity until it was an inferno. In the midst of this feud, Mansoor's actions escalated. He took the lives of nine individuals associated with Chaudhry Ilyas's gang. The streets bore witness to violence, and the turmoil seemed unending. The nine gang members' homes were reduced to ashes. There is no mention if their families were in the houses when this terrifying incident took place. But this escalating chaos cast a long shadow over the townspeople, their whispers filled with apprehension whenever Mansoor's name was spoken. The authorities, too, had their eyes fixed on this unfolding drama. The police were determined to bring Mansoor and his accomplices to justice, hoping to put an end to the trail of crimes and terror that followed in their wake. 
in the labyrinth of the criminal realm where rivalries simmered beneath the surface, a man named Buta Baloch emerged as a formidable adversary. His sights were set on none other than Mansoor. With an unrelenting determination, Buta Baloch launched repeated attempts to eliminate Mansoor. But each effort fell short. Soon after, Mansoor left Faisalabad, leaving behind a trail of chaos. By now, a grim tally was accumulating, a tally of lives lost. The police reports painted a chilling picture, attributing 19 deaths to Mansoor's name. But amid the numbers, a haze of speculation lingered. The true count might be even higher, obscured by the complex interplay of power and silence. Side note, though this is speculation, in smaller towns and villages, although this happens even in the larger cities of Pakistan, there is a collusion between the police and the members of the underworld. It, there seems to be an unspoken, unseen alliance which is made, where bribes result in law authorities remaining hushed or turning a blind eye towards the crimes that are committed. So although this is speculation, it does cast a shadow of doubt over the official number shared by the police. And just to add, everywhere Mansoor goes, he leaves a trail of chaos. And he's now wanted in Sargodha, in Gurshawala, and Faisalabad. As Mansoor's footsteps echoed through the cities he touched, his wake was marked by a trail of havoc and fear. His reputation of death and chaos had grown so immense that authorities could no longer ignore his crimes. His name was etched onto the infamous most wanted list of Pakistan, a catalogue of the most dangerous and elusive criminals. A substantial reward dangled like a tantalising carrot for those who could unveil his whereabouts. The promise of rupees 30 lakhs a colossal sum in the 90s, loomed like a beacon of temptation. To put it into perspective, 30 lakhs amounted to around $10,000. It is a figure that could alter the course of anyone's life. While his crimes were increasing and getting more brutal, with no remorse, he somehow found time to even fall in love. Yeah, even someone like him could feel that way. Mansoor was drawn to a girl named M. They seemed to have a connection, although we do not know all the details about it. But things took a sad turn because M got married to someone else. Mansoor obviously was hurt by this. But um, his feelings turned into something intense. He went after the man M married and uh, killed him. And then he went back to M and asked her to marry him. Can you believe it? But M, understandably, said no. Strangely, Mansoor didn't argue or fight with her about it. Instead, he accepted her decision and after she turned him down, he left for Lahore. As Mansoor's journey led him to Lahore, surprisingly, his actions took an even more astonishing turn. He targeted and killed a person named Sheikh Ayaz, who was a member of Pakistan's National Assembly 
basically the guy was a big political figure. So it becomes clear that he wasn't just randomly killing ordinary people. He would target powerful and well-connected political figures in Pakistan. That's why people of Punjab and the authorities started calling him the Dawn of Punjab. Obviously, his actions didn't go unnoticed. News channels, radio stations, newspapers were all talking about the crimes he committed. Every day, it seemed like there was something new to report about Mansoor's crimes. Sometime while Mansoor was in Lahore, SP Iftikar Palwan caught him. And again, there are no details about how he was caught. But SP Iftikar and another officer, they took Mansoor to an abandoned area of Lahore. They plan to kill him and deem it as killed during an encounter. But Mansoor managed to escape yet again. And the narrow escape from SP Iftikhar's grasp seemed to arouse Mansoor's crimes even more. His actions grew bolder. His attacks against police officers and even police stations escalated. It was as though his defiance of the law took on a new and daring form. The situation grew dire, reaching to a point of no return. Despite Mansoor's notorious status and the existing reward for his capture, the echoes of his deeds reached the highest corridors of power. The Prime Minister of the time in Pakistan was forced to intervene, an indication of just how grave the situation had become. The stakes were so high that the Prime Minister not only reaffirmed the award for information about Mansoor, but even increased it. It was a time of heightened tension and fear, as people across the region were on edge, wondering where Mansoor might strike next. In the bustling streets of Lahore, Mansoor's name and face were plastered everywhere. It was a constant reminder of his presence in the city. But his deep-rooted connections within Pakistani's underworld members provided him an eerie sense of immunity. It was as if fear had abandoned him, replaced by a chilling determination to continue his spree of crimes without hesitation. His actions transcended recklessness. They bordered on frenzy. Embarking on an illegal path, he dwelled into the sinister trade of selling weapons, a move that showed case the depths of his audacity. But that wasn't all. He also dipped his toes into the dangerous waters of drug trade, becoming both a user and a dealer. A reckless confidence, bordering on arrogance, took hold of him. He truly believed he was invincible, a force beyond anyone's reach. His connections with the underworld seemed like an impenetrable fortress a shield that rendered him untouchable. Side note, the incidents that involved Mansoor's crimes was obtained from his brother-in-law. At the time, his brother-in-law was employed at a hospital in Lahore. So this individual provided a glimpse into Mansoor's personal life that would otherwise have remained veiled. So according to his brother-in-law's account, Mansoor ventured into matrimony embarking on a life intertwined with his spouse and mother-in-law, 
Guddu Patani. A woman of uncertain reputation, Guddu Patani's associations were far from ordinary. Her reputation lay in the realm of drug dealing, particularly in the sale of heroin, a grim enterprise that Mansoor himself would dabble in. The specifics of their connection remain shrouded in speculation, but it's plausible that their paths crossed during a transaction, leading to the fateful union between Mansoor and Guddu Patani's daughter. His wife was a heroin addict, and soon after their marriage, she was jailed. The reason for her imprisonment is unknown. Settling in the modest corners of Lahore Shadwan, Mansoor and his new family carved out a life in a small area within that community. This seemingly ordinary existence, however, harbored an air of intimidation. Neighbors who resided in the same vicinity knew better than to take Mansoor and Guddu Patani lightly. Fear was their constant companion, a force that bound them in silence. As time marched forward, the shadows of Mansoor's deeds grew darker, casting an even more sinister pall over his already tainted legacy. His crimes took a, a disturbing turn, a descent into a, a, an abyss that struck fear into the very heart of Lahore. Between the years 1995 and the early 2000s, a wave of disappearances took place that targeted women and girls. The victims spanned a horrifying range of ages, from the tender age of three to the elder years of 60s and 70s. No one, it seemed, was spared from Mansoor's sinister intentions. He held no distinction between child, young woman, mother, or even grandmother. However, it was younger girls who became his primary target. Once he cast his gaze upon a female, her fate was sealed. It's believed that Mansoor was responsible for the abduction violation and murder of over 50 women and most of these victims were from the area of Shahman. This was where Mansoor resided. As panic spread like wildfire, parents in the vicinity of Shahman faced a horrifying dilemma. Fearing for the safety of their daughters, they made the painful decision to send them away seeking refuge with family members in distant corners of the city. The details that follow are not for the faint-hearted. They dwell into the darkest depths of Mansoor's reign of terror. Listener discretion is strongly advised. In a particularly heart-wrenching incident, an eight-month pregnant woman found herself caught in the sinister web of Mansoor's gaze. In a horrifying sequence, he abducted her, inflicting unimaginable cruelty upon her vulnerability. The brutality escalated as he subjected her to unspeakable violence before killing her. Once done, he left her body in front of her house. The aftermath 
of his monstrous act plunge her grieving husband into the abyss of despair, compelling him to end his own life as he faced the unbearable reality of her and his unborn child's loss. Another neighbor, let's call her S., she found herself trapped in Mansoor's menacing attention. As she was returning home with her daughter, she felt the weight of his eyes upon them. Mansoor's intent became evident as he voiced his, his desire to marry her youngest daughter. The threat left S shaken to her core. Her response was swift. Fearing for her daughter's safety, she packed their lives into bags and vanished from the neighborhood. Thankfully, she and her daughter managed to escape him. But Mansoor had visited her place countless times after that and terrorized her neighbors, demanding to know where S and her daughter had gone. Another neighbor recounted a haunting tale of a mother who understood the danger that Mansoor's attention posed to her daughter. In a desperate bid to protect her child, she sent her away to relatives. Mansoor, relentless in his pursuit, descended upon her home with violent force. He grasped her by the hair with such a savage grip that it rendered her helpless. Her cries fell upon deaf ears as he violated her body. It was a terrifying reminder of the power he wielded over their lives. When he was done, he demanded her to bring her daughter back if she knew what was best for her. In yet another tale of horror narrated by the victim's husband, victim T's husband, a neighbor whom we'll call X found herself ambushed in his clutches. He invaded her house, dragging her into the streets. A horrified crowd bore witness as he defiled her dignity and tore away her clothes with a brutality that defied comprehension. He dragged her inside a home and violated her. As these chilling scenes unfolded, neighbors who were witnessing could only stand by, their hearts heavy with helplessness. Their desperate gazes remained fixed on the torment before them, yet they were paralyzed by the grip of fear that had taken hold of their lives. Once he was done violating X, a woman known as T, a respected midwife and an elder of the community, despite her own blood ties to him, she stood her ground, brandishing the Holy Quran as a shield against his malice. Her unwavering conviction compelled him to depart in a storm of rage, though his fury remained unabated. Mansoor's manipulative ploys led T to his doorstep, summoned by a purported emergency. Her dedication to a community overshadowed any trepidation. Little did she know that it was a trap, one that ended in her tragic demise. Mansoor's own hand, stained with blood, delivered the message of her death to her husband. Perhaps you're wondering, in the face of such horror, why didn't anyone reach out for help? Why didn't they call the police or alert the authorities? But the answer lies in the insidious power that Mansoor wielded over the community. A climate of terror had been meticulously woven 
silencing any inkling of resistance. His reign of fear was so potent that no one dared cross his path, let alone challenge him. Mansoor had meticulously crafted an environment where no one would dare utter a word against him. He utilized his ties to the underworld to weave an intricate web of intimidation. His targets were predominantly women and girls from the working class, individuals who lacked the financial means or influential connections to stand against his reign of terror. In his calculated cruelty, he exploited their vulnerability, utilizing it as a weapon to deepen the well of terror within them. This vulnerability became a tool for him, a method to ensure their obedience and submission. The harsh reality is gut-wrenching. These tales offer a harrowing glimpse into the twisted psyche of Mansoor, but the haunting truth remains that there are countless untold stories of suffering and horror which haven't been reported. And just side note, I, I need to mention in Pakistan, when a girl or woman is kidnapped, not only do they bear the scars of the ordeal, but also the damning weight of societal judgment. Families, usually elders, regard these victims as cursed, as bearers of shame. And the cruelty lay in the irony. It was they who had suffered, yet they faced the consequences of a society's skewed values. Elders would say, but if you had died, why did you come back? You've shamed us. They should have just killed you. In this realm, the faultless victims carried the weight of blame, while the true culprits walked free. The tale of Mansoor's reign of terror unfolded against his backdrop. His neighbors, grasping the dark nature of his gaze, fortified their homes, hoping to shield their women and daughters from his sinister intent. But such measures proved futile. When Mansoor fixed his eye on a girl or a woman, no locked door or high wall could deter him. He would simply waltz into their lives, an ominous presence that defied resistance. Entering homes uninvited, he established a horrifying routine. There he would indulge in the most basic acts of daily life, eating, bathing, resting. And then the unspeakable would unfold. Forcible rape, brutal beatings. His victims became the unwilling witnesses to their own torment. Their cries echoed in the neighborhood from the moment he entered until long after he left. The dawn of Punjab had created an intense fear within the people of Lahore. Fast forward to the year 2005. This marked a significant turn in the tale of Mansoor. The dawn of Punjab who had held Lahore in its grip of terror. This chapter of the story is narrated through the voice of Abid Boxer, a police inspector known for his expertise in encounter operations, a term used to describe controversial killings carried out by police officers. 
Abid Boxer reaccounts the details of an interview he gave to a news channel. In his characteristic self-absorbed manner, he focuses primarily on his own role in the narrative, stripping Mansoor's heinous crimes to the background. However, as the spotlight shifted away from Mansoor to Abid, I have to mention a side note. Abid Boxer, the very man who spoke of Mansoor's demise with an air of self-importance, would later find his name inscribed on the most wanted list of Pakistan. His own actions, marked by killings, affiliations with the underworld, and even allegations of land grabbing, would lead to his downfall. In 2018, a headline spoke volumes of this downfall. Quote, Former Police Inspector Abid Boxer, arrested from Dubai Airport by Interpol. Unquote. But rewinding to a decade-long saga that had unfolded, a relentless pursuit of Mansoor that had left Lahore trembling in its wake. Despite numerous attempts by the police to capture him, Mansoor's elusive nature always slipped through their fingers, leaving behind a trail of frustration. All that changed in the year 2005. A unique connection was forged, bringing two individuals from vastly different worlds that turned into an unexpected alliance. A call came to Inspector Abid from an unfamiliar name, Shafi. She had once worked the parts of Lahore's red light district. She was a prostitute. She recognized that the police were pursuing Mansoor, and in a brave act of defiance against her own circumstances, she decided to step forward. Safi resided in the same neighborhood as Mansoor. She asked Abid to come see her. Initially, he refused, but as the authorities were desperate to catch Mansoor, eventually he decided to meet her. Upon his arrival, Safi re-encountered her encounters with Mansoor and she extended her help in aiding to capture Mansoor. But Safi's intentions weren't solely rooted in sharing information. With an air of desperation and a mother's fierce protectiveness, she presented a proposition to Inspector Abid, one that blurred the lines between justice and vengeance. She pledged to provide Abid with crucial insights into Mansoor's whereabouts. But in return, she demanded she didn't just want him caught and incarcerated, but erased from existence. Abid's skepticism bore the weight of the questions he posed. He sought to understand Safi's confidence in Mansoor's return, and her response was early straightforward. Mansoor had entrusted her with his two firearms, two Kalashnikovs, and she knew he would come back for them. However, it was the second question that cut to the heart of the matter, unraveling the layers of Safi's motivation. Abid pressed, asking her why she was willing to venture into this dangerous alliance and why she demanded Mansoor's death. The answer lay within the realm of a mother's love a force that transcends boundaries and defies all odds. Safi spoke of her daughter, just 12 years old, 
who had fallen under Mansoor's menacing gaze. Her innocent child had become a target of his unsettling attention, filling Safi with a primal fear that only a mother could know. Inspector Abid's agreement with Safi set in motion a tense waiting game, one that would test their patience and resolve. Alongside three other officers, he took up residence in an abandoned room, as small as a bathroom, which was strategically positioned across Safi's home. For seven days and seven nights, they maintained their vigilant watch, their eyes trained on the neighborhood that held the promise of ending Mansoor's reign of terror. In those times, there were no mobile phones. Communication was confined to landlines or public phone booths, such as the PCO stationed just outside Safi's home. Every ring of that payphone's bell was a jolt of anticipation, a possibility that Mansoor had initiated contact. Safi, armed with her insight into his patterns, knew that he would adhere to the same protocol they had followed in their prior interactions. The ritual was set. His call would be the signal of his impending visit. Days turned into nights, a cycle of heightened tension and cautious hope. Safi, accompanied by the police officers, would rush to the payphone with each ringing call. Conversations were hushed, the weight of anticipation hanging heavy in the air. And each time Mansoor conveyed, he would come to visit her. And the line went dead. The officers readied themselves for his arrival, their hearts pounding with adrenaline. Yet, despite this orchestrated dance of phone calls and readiness, Mansoor remained a phantom, eluding their grasp. For a relentless 15 days, the cycle repeated. Calls were answered, plans were made, and preparations were executed. But the promised arrival never materialized leaving Safi, Inspector Abid, and his team in a state of prolonged suspense. However, the crisp air of November 18, 2005, carried with it an unexpected promise, a promise that sparked both hope and doubt. On the other end of the line, Mansoor's voice rang out, declaring his departure for Peshawar, a journey that would keep him away for two days. However, he pledged to Safi that once his journey concluded, he would visit her, solidifying his promise with a familiar vow. As Safi bid him farewell and hung up the phone, she relayed the news to Inspector Abid, sharing the piece of information that had become a repetitive refrain over the past few weeks. A pattern had been established. The promises made, the readiness that followed, and the subsequent disappointment when Mansoor's present failed to materialize. Given the history, one might reasonably expect Inspector Abid to dismiss this call as another empty vow. Yet against the backdrop of uncertainty, something within him stirred a gut feeling that whispered this time might be different. With his intuition as his guide, Inspector Abid advised Safi to take cover, to shield herself and her daughter 
for what was about to go down. But Safi's resilience refused to waver. Her daughter had been secured in a safe place. And despite the stakes, Safi made her choice. She would not yield to fear, nor would she hide in the shadows. As their voices clashed into the argument over safety, the unexpected unfolded. A figure emerged. Astonishment rippled through the atmosphere as Mansoor manifested before them, defying the doubts and odds that had clouded their expectations. This time his promise held true. He had come. Yet in a chilling recognition passed between Mansoor and Inspector Abid, even though the officers were cloaked in civilian attire to maintain their facade, Mansoor's perceptive gaze saw through the disguise, piercing the veil of deceit. A heartbeat later, chaos erupted, and the tranquility of the Shadman Street was shattered by the eruption of gunfire. In the haze of exchange bullets, the landscape transformed into a battleground, each shot carrying a weighty message of intent. Mansoor's shots echoed his determination to escape justice, while Inspector Abid's responded with a declaration, a declaration that this reign of terror would find its end. Amid the crossfire, Mansoor's form faltered, his grip on power waning as bullets found their mark. Pain surged through him, punctuated by a growling cry that pierced the air. Quote, Memargya, Unquote. His voice trembled, carrying the weight of realization. His end was near. On that fateful day, the legacy of the dawn of Punjab crumbled. The street, once a stage for his terrorizing ways, now bore witness to his fall. A newspaper called Daily Khabarana wrote an intensive article on Mansoor, the dawn of Punjab. In one of the headlines, it wrote, quote, Mansoor, also known as Malangi, who unapologetically beat, tortured, and raped women of all ages, upon being shot, was screaming, Oh my God, I've been shot, I'm dying. Unquote. How ironic it is that a man who couldn't bear the sting of a bullet had subjected countless others to the agony of his monstrous acts without flinching. On that fateful day, the infamous Mansoor, known by his alias Malangi, met his own end in a hail of bullets unleashed by Inspector Abit. The scene painted a stark contrast. The once feared Malangi lay lifeless, silenced forever by the very force he had so ruthlessly displayed. It was a justice both grim and final. As Inspector Abid's superior arrived, curiosity demanded answers. How did Abid predict Mansoor's appearance despite his supposed journey to Peshawar? Abid's response was that Mansoor's habitual pattern of false promises 
and the rhythm of anticipation and disappointment had left its mark on Arvid's instincts. It was as though Arvid had sensed the storm building in the air. For the first time in 15 days, Mansoor refused to come, and Arvid just instinctively knew, this time, this time he will come. In the wake of Mansoor's demise, the neighborhood buzzed with activity as police and media swarmed like bees around Mansoor's neighborhood. A collective sigh of relief swept through the community and stories began to flow, detailing the reign of terror they had endured, the scars left on their lives by Mansoor's cruel whims. Imagine the glee of a wedding ceremony the joy that radiates families come together to celebrate the union. That same energy filled the air as the news of Mansoor's death spread. Tears blended with smiles on the neighbors of Mansoor as they celebrated this bittersweet celebration of his nightmare coming to an end. Neighbors, one shackled by fear, now ran to the police officers, showering them with gratitude, adorning them with garlands of appreciation. The weight of Mansoor's malice had finally lifted, and the collective relief was palpable. The shadow of Mansoor's legacy, however, it extended beyond his demise. There were whispers of an illegitimate son named Jabbar, which circulated, Jabbar walked in his father's footsteps, bearing the torch of darkness. A group known as the Tiger Group became his association, a sinister fraternity that wreaked havoc. But thankfully, justice found them, and Jabbar was sentenced to five years in prison in 2021. So as of today, he should still be in prison. And so, the tale reached its final chapter. The dawn of Punjab... The terror that had once gripped the hearts of many lay extinguished. Some might argue, I argue, that the simplicity of his demise didn't match the magnitude of his crimes. It was almost too easy, too merciful, a conclusion he perhaps didn't deserve. I would really wish for him to endure the agony he had so freely distributed. Yet there is a... Grim satisfaction in knowing that the curtain had fallen on his reign of terror and that the world could finally breathe without the looming shadow of his cruelty. And that was the story of Mansoor, also known as Malangi, the dawn of Punjab. Thank you for joining me on Crime Stories of Pakistan. Your comments, reviews and suggestions are appreciated, so please leave them so that I can appreciate it. Stay vigilant, stay compassionate, but obviously stay curious and keep listening to Crime Stories of Pakistan. This is your host, Shihan, signing off, and I will see you in the next episode. Bye.